This is the What I Live For podcast for Thursday, July 18th, 2019. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the What I Live For podcast. And today I'm interviewing my friend Alexandra Ellis. Alex is a coach, writer, former yogi, kettlebell devotee, and 100% body nerd. So what does that mean? That means Alex is all about the practice of movement. She specializes in making you move a little bit better every day just by doing something 10 minutes a day. And I have been friends with her for a very long time now. Um, I actually found her when I started learning how to do a movement practice, a mobility practice, uh, because I I started realizing that I was stiff a lot when I was lifting weights and things like that. And I got the uh, yoga tune-up balls, um, which we kind of talk about in this, in this episode, but I wanted something uh, a little bit more visual because the book, Jill Miller's book, uh, who's Jill Miller is the the creator of the yoga tune-up balls, and the and the yoga tune up method. Um, she she made a book, and I wanted something a little bit more visual, like in video, like moving pictures and things like that. And Alex was a, the person that I found. I actually found her on YouTube and found all her stuff. And I learned a lot just from watching those YouTube videos. So it's been a wild ride, just like learning uh, learning stuff from her, and then just being one of her friends, which I really appreciate. Uh, Because she's helped me a lot with my movement journey, and I think she'll help you too. So like I said, uh, Alex is a movement specialist, and she's also a teacher. So she teaches a lot of these movements, and she uh, coaches people personally. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, You'll probably learn a lot from just our conversation about just movement and mindfulness and and meditation and and mindset. So I hope you guys enjoy. I'm going to stop rambling now. Enjoy the episode. So I'm here with my friend, Alexandra Ellis. How are you, Alex? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Alex is a movement coach. She's a yogi, and she she also has a podcast called The Body Nerd Show, and it's a very good podcast. You should go listen to it if you're in any way interested in moving better and just uh, getting getting, getting out of pain. So uh, Mm -hmm. I really appreciate your podcast, Alex. Oh, thank you for saying that. I know, as you know, too, like putting a podcast together and actually I do most everything myself. Mm -hmm. um, It's a lot of work. I thought I could just hit record and talk, but that's not how it goes. So it always means a lot to me to hear that other people are enjoying the show. Well, I remember when you started it because you were you you had been talking about it for months and then you Mm -hmm. finally pulled the trigger. Mm -hmm. It actually is the second show that I've done, um, which is actually kind of nice because then you have like a practice run. Mm -hmm. um, And I realized that I did that also in my apartment. I moved apartments into the exact same apartment in a different building so I could like do it all again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But I had a show which is still on iTunes with um, a friend of mine called Behind the Podium. And that was more of an interview style show. We got to talk to a bunch of really cool and interesting people. And so it's been really fun to do a totally different format of a show because the Body Nerd show is, you know, shorter episodes and usually it's just me. Um, And it's just it's been fun. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed it. Um, Because I think you you launched it like when I went on my social media break. So like, Mm-hmm. I, I was listening to it and I couldn't really tell you how like how good it was. So <laughs> so like once I came back, I told you like I'm really enjoying this. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And actually, I just this weekend, too, I feel like um, I did uh, somebody else's show. And so I'm getting people I I don't know in any way because you and I have been friends on social media for a while now, back and forth, you know, messaging and following each other. Um, And so I feel like I know you, you know, and if I saw you, I'd totally come hang out with you. And now, like, full-on strangers are sending me messages, which is so super cool because it's just, again, you know, as a creative person, and I know you get this too, it's like you spend all this time creating something and putting it out into the world, and you don't always hear back from yeah. people. And so when you do, it's kind of like, oh, good, people are listening. Well, you're doing something that everybody wants to know about um, because I think I got I got uh, con- uh, contacted with you because I think I found your YouTube channel first. Because you had a lot mm-hmm. of, because I was mm-hmm. really into the yoga tuna balls and stuff like that. So um, you had a lot of instructional stuff. And that, I think that's how I found you. And then I found you on Instagram and and all that. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the YouTube is still there. There's over over 100 videos, maybe even more. I don't yeah. know exactly. But yeah, there's a, YouTube is so great mm-hmm. uh, just because it lives for so long. You know, podcasting, yeah. I feel like is sort of like that as well, because, you know, I, I could discover a show that's new to me today and they might have 400 episodes and I can still go back and listen to all of them. Yeah. And definitely. YouTube is the same way, right? You find an account, you really like it. You can like watch all their videos and stuff. It doesn't matter how old they are um, or how new they are. And like that, I would say is like one of the downsides of social media is that it's all so like on demand, Yeah. you know, and also like ephemeral is my new favorite word um <laughs> i love instagram stories because they disappear in 24 hours but also sometimes really cool stuff is shared there and it's like blink and you miss it and it's gone forever yeah, so i'm still still a fan of the i say ye olden days no just like the platforms <laughs> that have more legs you know yeah no i i really appreciate your stuff because that's like at that time i was looking for a lot of uh because I had just got the yoga tuna balls and I was looking for instructional stuff because, you know, Joe Miller's book, you know, um, the role model book, actually, it like it's it's a literary, literary piece of like you can see mm-hmm. pictures and stuff. But like I wanted to somebody to, to visually show me how they were doing it. So, like, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed your your tutorials and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I just used uh, The Role Model today as a reference because it is such a great book. And anyone who's listening to this, if you're interested in, you know, learning more about self-care at its basics and specifically like body work and therapy ball work, like that book really encompasses like the basics of what you need to know and mm-hmm. more, Yeah, you know. Jill did a fantastic job of bringing together all of those nuances and pieces so that, you know, you have all of the information for yourself so that you can do things right away to help yourself feel better. Yeah. And so let's start from the beginning. Let's start from uh, where did you grow up? Five miles from where I am right now. And I was born and raised in Glendale, California. And actually, my parents still live in the same house Mm -hmm. that I came home to, um, which especially in California is very unusual. Most people move a bunch of times. Um, My parents have turned my bedroom into my mother's office, which is okay. (laughs) Uh, But it's all basically the same. Uh, And then I uh, went to university in Davis, California, um, which is about... It's like 400 miles from Glendale, so like from Los Angeles. Um, And at the time, I was like, I want to get as far away from home as I possibly can. And then when it came time to actually go to school, I was like, um, this is really far. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I moved home after college, lived with my parents for a couple of years, which also was like the most fun ever to be an adult with my parents and have a different type of relationship with them. Yeah. Um, and then my husband and I moved in together five miles away in Burbank, which is where I'm at now. Uh, so I will never leave California. <laughs> and, you know, actually, because we were messaging um, the weekend I got stranded in Dallas because of weather. Yeah. And uh, I was there for a bachelorette party. And I was like, you know, Dallas is pretty cool. I could see myself living here if, like, you know, my parents weren't around anymore and my husband's parents weren't around anymore. And then there was a thunderstorm and I couldn't leave. And I was like, never mind. I take all of that back. I only want to stay in California. See, you're talking about Dallas. You need to go to Austin first. Austin. And probably. The, yeah. Dallas is nothing compared to Austin. Is Austin, like, where is it in relationship to Austin? It's not that far. It's within, like, four hours of Dallas. Okay. So it's not that okay. far well, away. I'll, I'll give Austin a try. Because I know <laughs> the food is supposed to be amazing there, right? Yeah. <sighs> I love food. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're going to talk about that later. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> so you went to UC Davis. Um what made you go to UC Davis just just to get away from your parents? Like, does it you get on your own, or like, or is it was it something no. specific that you wanted to go there for? Yeah, I actually got a postcard in the mail, and it was advertising um, their exercise biology program. And when I think it was when I took like the PSATs or something like that, you know, sophomore year, they're like, what are you interested in? And I checked off biology. Yeah. And so I was on their you know, mailing list. They sent me this postcard and I have a, an older brother and he's three and a half years older. And like we never got along growing up and he was going to Davis. So there was no way in, you know, heck that I was going to apply there. <laughs> uh, but then I got this postcard. And it looked like, you know, all those Gatorade commercials where they have, you know, a person on an exercise bike and they're hooked up to all of these things and, mm -hmm. you know, it just looks so scientific. That was the picture on the postcard. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> and my favorite class in high school was biology. Yeah. And I just, I just loved everything about it. But I knew that I didn't want to do cellular biology because I love things that are like tangible and I'm very tactile. Like even right now I have like not a, what they call it, a fidget spinner, but I play with crystals like while I'm talking <laughs> to people. Uh, so I wanted something that was like more practical and, you know, more relevant to just the things I was interested in. Um, so when that postcard came and I looked at the different classes I would take, you know, everything from sports psychology to biomechanics, we did some um, pathologies and, you know, diseases that can be either identified uh, by exercise or cured or prevented by exercise. Um, and it just was everything that I wanted. And so I also very unusually, I started and ended my college career without ever changing my major or even thinking about it. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. So I can't say that chemistry was fun, but the rest of it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this love for science. Like, where did that come from? Like, did you always love science? Or that's just something that you just gravitated towards because of the postcard? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I, originally wanted to go I'm kind of like one of those people who you know you do something and they really impact your life mm -hmm. and then you want to do that you know so at first I was like oh I want to be a dermatologist because I just absolutely love my dermatologist I thought it was so fascinating and how cool to be able to help people with their skin to have more confidence and feel more comfortable in their skin because that was just my experience with it um, and then I realized you had to go to medical school to do that <laughs> 
So um, I actually, I did apply to medical school. There is a program at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Um, and, and now that you know me and how I feel about weather, <laughs> I went to do my campus uh, tour in October. I think it was like 50 degrees. And I was like, it's just too cold. I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that on top of and they have this really cool it's like a six-year program like an accelerated program so you start you know um your freshman year and then they just roll you right into medical school which was kind of cool but on the application they also asked like what are you know the last few books that you've read um and i was like harry potter (laughs) and harry (laughs) potter this isn't gonna work (laughs) um so you know i was thinking okay let's dermatology is off the table because I don't want to go to um, medical school. So I really was thinking that physical therapy would be the route for me because, again, it was physical. It was um, sports related. um, It was, you know, tangible and very tactile. um, And I also had had a really great experience with physical therapy. And I mean, just anytime you can help somebody feel better, like it changes their life, Mm -hmm. you know, it changes every moment. Um, and so I actually, I did apply to physical therapy school, not once, but twice after I graduated. Um, and the universe had other plans for me. Um, literally transcripts got lost in the mail. Um, and it was also, it was a transcript. Like I took one college class on my high school campus, like my junior year of high school. And that was a transcript that got lost that then prevented my application to physical therapy school to be processed. Like how random is that? (laughs) Right. Um, and then I don't even remember what happened the second year, but I was just like, you know what? Like I, I get it. Obviously this isn't for me. Um, and so now actually the path I've, you know, kind of moved on to is very similar to physical therapy. Like I can, you know, have amazing deep conversations with my friends who are physical therapists, mm-hmm. but I don't have to do the paperwork. That's true. Which is really, really great. <laughs> but yeah, I think I always, I'm, I'm, I'm a questioner and, you know, as, um, I've, you know, post college and just really doing self exploration and just trying to figure out like wh- what my why is. Are you familiar with, um, Simon Sinek? Yeah. Start mm, with why. So, Yes, exactly. So his work and just like going back and looking at all of the things that interest me the most and really trying to figure out like, what is my why? And realizing that it's to inspire curiosity in others so that they can help themselves. And it just has always happened to be about the body. And that really is my zone of genius. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm also really passionate about business and marketing and social media. And this weekend, I was like, I can start a wedding planning business. (laughs) So having that why and focus um, has been really helpful. But it's always been to take you know, the information that I'm able to kind of like digest and metabolize and Mm -hmm. then offer it up in a way that makes better sense for other people. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought it up that the the Simon Sinek book, because that that book was kind of the emphasis of me starting this podcast, because I was always I was always talking to people in DM like you and and other people who've been on the podcast and people who are coming on the podcast. I would be uh, talking to them in DMs and and I wanted to know more about them by having a conversation like a like a 30 minutes to an hour conversation without going back mm-hmm. and forth through text so like i wanted to uh start this podcast based on that so that mm-hmm. and i guess i've always i'm always curious and i'm always like curious about why people do things so that's mm-hmm. that's where the podcast came from yeah and i love that too about having conversations with people because even when i interviewed friends of mine 
we would talk about stuff. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. <laughs> or like, we've never had that conversation, even though we've been friends for like six years. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of transition into uh, what, what was the transition in you becoming a movement coach? I've been teaching yoga for probably 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Every time Facebook reminds me of how long it's been since college, I get really sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those time uh, hops. I know, I know. I'm like, oh, thank you. Uh, because I graduated college and I started working in a physical therapy office. And then um, I actually I had started working in a yoga studio when I was four, 15. Like after soccer practice, I would go and I was hired. It was a family friend. She hired me because she needed help on the computer and um, like digitizing her database. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, I could do that. Um, and then I was like, what is this yoga thing? That looks hard. So when I graduated from college and I knew, you know, maybe physical therapy, maybe not, but I also want to incorporate yoga because it had been such a saving grace for me through college mm -hmm. and being able to like get out of the house. I lived with five other women in a like four bedroom house. Um, I just needed space yeah. <laughs> and yoga gave that to me. So um, I did my yoga teacher training then um, and it was really shortly after that where I met Jill Miller at uh, a yoga therapy conference because that to me seemed like a logical step. Like if I'm interested in physical therapy and I'm interested in yoga, these yoga therapists are kind of like bridging the gap. Yeah. And um, she, I still remember, like I can see it vividly in my head right now. It was um, in Monterey, California at um, a retreat center, which I can't remember the name of it, but it was like an early morning class and we rolled out our hips and upper back and I, the balls, the minute they hit like my upper traps, you know, that upper part of your shoulder mm -hmm. that you always want someone to massage, like my eyes just like froze open. I was just like, what is this? <laughs> uh, and we did, you know, the, um, a hip stretching sequence and I just, I knew, I was like, I need these balls in my life. I need mm -hmm. to know what this is. I need to know more. This is everything that I wanted because I also I had spent um, you know more than one quarter studying anatomy we had done so much anatomy and so much biomechanics in college and it felt like especially as physical therapy started to seem less and less like something I wanted to do because the reality of it in the clinic wasn't the like dream that I had yeah. um, Jill and yoga tune-up does a wonderful job of bringing anatomy into the yoga space and really like she was the bridge between those two worlds and um i remember just taking her training i cried every day it was really hard <laughs> <laughs> but i was like this is it this is it it's like she and her her work gave me permission to bring up all the things that i was fascinated with and to find my own voice in my teaching um where i didn't feel that way with yoga so yeah. i started teaching yoga tune-up and it kind of evolved through my own studies into like my own kind of thing um and and i wanted to help people beyond who would brave the la traffic to come take a class with me on a tuesday night yeah you know and especially with, with social media you're meeting people from all around the world um and i knew that like the ability to you know, teach people how to take care of themselves did not have to be limited to us in person. Mm -hmm. So in the last year, actually, um, I started experimenting with um, online coaching. And I remember one of the, the first client who I had who found me through a Facebook ad, 
So she didn't know me. She had never, you know, watched any of my YouTube videos or anything, but yeah. clicked on this Facebook ad. We talked on the phone. She was like, sure, why not? Um, and it was like our second session. So like three weeks in and her neck pain was gone. Oh, wow. And I didn't do anything, you know, which yeah. I thought was like the most amazing part was that she had completely done it for herself. Um, and so I was like, I'm in 100%. Let's do this. <laughs> and I think that, you know, when you say yoga, people quickly have their own idea of what that means based on their own experiences. Mm -hmm. And to me, movement better encompasses the yoga philosophies and strategies, you know, things like meditation and breath work and mindfulness, um, in addition to stretching and strengthening and all of the other things um, that I do. But even that doesn't feel like, you know, movements like, oh, well, sort of. Um, but when people say, oh, I love yoga, I'm like, yeah, me too. But like, <laughs> it's more than that, you That's know, true. which I'm sure you, you understand too from like your own work, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like uh, yoga doesn't quite get it all. <laughs> Yoga is just a small, small part of the whole picture. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to well, you have to do way more than just yoga. Yeah, and I I think like the biggest piece for me, um, like lessons to be learned from yoga, definitely meditation, mm -hmm. um, and inc including that in every single practice. Yes, and and the mindfulness of it all. You know, paying attention to the transitions and how things feel and really honing your ability to kind of like listen to what's happening inside your body, mm -hmm. you know, because when you're a better, I almost want to say like inhabitant of your own body, then you're tuned in to like what you need and what you don't need and like how to respond on a moment by moment basis rather than having to wait uh, until things really start to hurt, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's where a lot of people get things wrong is they wait till things hurt before they decide to do something about it instead of just trying to figure out why this is, this is hurt before it actually hurts. Like if, yeah. if you feel some discomfort, why do you wait until it's completely like, this is so painful, why am I doing something about it now instead of doing something about it a week ago when it was just kind of a twinge? Yeah, and I think too a lot of that is that people just don't know. They don't know that there's options out there like you know, therapy balls or body work, or they've heard of meditation, but they just haven't found the right fit for them yet. Mm -hmm. uh, which is also like one of the things that I love to do with my clients is like, okay, cool, you tried that one type of meditation and that didn't work. Well, what about this or what about that? Yeah. Um, you know, everything like my favorite discovery was a petitation where you just mindfully pet your animal for 10 minutes and like that counts. That's mindfulness. I too, mean, that you know? sounds very soothing though. If you're just sitting there petting yes. your dog. Yeah. Yeah. And how often do we do one thing without also listening to a podcast That's or true. talking to somebody else or watching TV? That's true. So, you know, just petting your pet <laughs> for some petitation <laughs> like that can count. So I think, you know, people just don't know. And there's also, there's so much information. It's overwhelming. So how to know, you know, where to start or what to do or if you're doing it right. It's almost like we've outsourced our bodies, like everything else, to the point where we don't even know, like, what we can do. Yeah. And so we don't do anything, you know. So I feel like, 
you know, there are definitely people out there and I like to think of myself as one of just like, okay, here's, here's the whole buffet, but why don't you try just this one piece and see how that goes? Cause as yeah. you know, too, once you try one and you're like, okay, I know how this works. Then the next one and the next one and the next one and everything after that are way easier to wrap your head around. Yeah. And I, and I completely feel bad for people nowadays compared to like, I was really into like, I really got into the movement and 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 therapy ball stuff like right when it first came out uh mm-hmm. like right i think right when joe miller put that book out and then when mm-hmm. kelly Stritt put his stuff out his is mm-hmm. like uh becoming a supple leopard uh mm-hmm. second edition like i bought both of those around the same time and it was a lot, a lot less information on the internet now it's way more information and it's it's overwhelming because i'm looking at it and i'm like if i was somebody coming into this i would never know what to do Right. Yeah, we had a slow start. Yeah. We didn't just get dropped into the deep end. Yeah. No, it's 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 insane. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, there's so much out there. Like, I think the best thing you can do, which you know we both did, is like just do something. Just get started. So, for people who are trying to get started, what would you suggest them to do? Mm, if I had to pick anything, you know, actually. Um, I'd say get better sleep (laughs) because uh, to get better sleep, exercise and movement is one of the things that will help you sleep better. Yeah. So whether that's, you know, 10,000 steps a day, um, which is also like not that hard. Did you see that article that recently came out that said like, oh, only 4,000 steps a day is needed and the rest just doesn't make a big difference. Did you see that one? No, I didn't see that one. Um, I've heard it quoted by like two people and I'm just like, stop it. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I don't know the exact research. I saw the headline. My mom sent it my way. Um, but basically like one research study, they found that, you know, after anything above and beyond 4,000 steps, like didn't really make a difference. So you didn't need to really try for 10,000 that like 4,000 was enough, which is just like, I get 4,000 steps a day walking around my tiny apartment. Like yeah. that's not enough. So like go on a walk, go do something. Um, I say sleep walking and mindfulness, whether that's, you know, like we've already talked about doing, you know, just meditation and just (laughs) petting your animal or using one of the meditation apps that are available out there to just sit quietly for five minutes, even a day. Um, or just, yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's so many ways to get us outside of our body and to outsource, you know, everything from how much water you should be drinking. Like I know there's an app for that. Um, just trying to get more tuned into your body and your intuition and what you need on a regular basis is just so super helpful. Mm-hmm. So I would say sleep, walking and meditation would be like the bare minimum. Yeah. And I feel like everybody is making things. Well, I'm not gonna say everybody, but I would say social media is making things way more complicated than it actually has to be. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was having a conversation with, and I know you're not in the weight loss space, but like I was having a conversation with somebody and they were saying that um, you have to do this, 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 this to do weight loss. I'm like, it shouldn't be that hard. Like it should be way simpler than doing a whole list of 10 things and it really only needs to be three. Yeah. Well, and even just being more mindful with that too, yeah. you know? And just paying attention to like, how do things make you feel? Do you feel good after? If yes, maybe explore that more. If no, try something else. Yeah, yeah I think we definitely overcomplicate stuff. And I'm the queen of that too. Like I love overcom- overcomplicating <laughs> things. 
like my jam. Um, but it is like it's hard when there is 70 million different opinions on what works the best. And I think that overall, because we've kind of swung, we went from like not a lot of information to mm-hmm. way too much information. And I feel like we're hopefully coming back to uh, a middle ground where it's easier to figure out like what works for you and like what actually is real. I, I would probably say just to, and I'm very, and my friends know this, I, I like to experiment on myself. Uh, I like to do a lot of self experimentation. So like, same here. I like I did the social media detox and I, and I did stuff with yoga tune-up balls and stuff like that. Like I like to try something, see if it works. If it doesn't, then try the next thing. So, and a lot of people don't do that. They just want the answer right up front. Yeah. Like the quick fix, which does not exist in any way, shape or form. I think also there's a little bit of fear too, that you might do it wrong. Um, but I think that just doing something is going to give you more information, especially if you come at it with that, you know, mindfulness Mm -hmm. at play. And actually to your point too, about, uh, being your own, like N of one, I've heard it described as, which is like, you know, research terms. But if you can't try it yourself, how can you tell other people to do it? That's true. Which I feel like there's a lot of people out there on the internet who are hawking things that they haven't actually tried, which seems very disingenuous. I I don't trust uh, anybody unless I see pictures. (laughs) I need proof. mm -hmm. I totally, totally. Uh, But even like, so for myself, actually, I just, um, I... I sprained my ankle this weekend at the airport. It was probably the worst ankle sprain I've ever done. Um, but it has also given me lots of good information, which makes me a little bit annoyed. Cause I'm like, I didn't really need to experience this firsthand. Cause like I read all this stuff in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you know, as far as like dealing with swelling, so especially, you know, for anybody who's active or a runner rice, has been the, uh, you know, the mantra, Mm -hmm. rest, ice, compression, elevation. Um, So this was, we're talking, it's Tuesday. Um, I sprained my ankle. And when I talk sprained my ankle, I literally fell off a curb and went splat on the ground in the most dramatic, awful fashion. See, Um, I thought you were going to say you were doing a dance party at the airport. (laughs) I wish. That would have been way more fun. No, I was stepping off the curb to help my mom with her luggage because we were like rushing to try to catch our shuttle bus out of LAX, which if you've ever been to LAX is like, it's like hell. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. terrible. Um, And like instant, like seriously, like I've, I've been an athlete. I've done all kinds of stuff. Like I, I'm not even going to lie. I burst into tears immediately. I wanted to vomit. Like it was the worst injury I've ever had in my entire life. Like literally even worse than when last summer I fell out of a boat onto a rock on my back. Like it was terrible. But with all that being said, um, I didn't follow rest, ice, compression, elevation. Um, I right away knew that I needed to, you know, calm my mental space. Mm -hmm. Um, So I put in literally noise canceling headphones and listened to a dishwasher sound. (laughs) Because I I don't, it's weird. I'm a weirdo. That for me is like my quiet place. Um, And just worked on getting my breathing slowing down. Because I knew also I still had 90 minutes before I was even going to be home where all my stuff was. Mm -hmm. So I, I could not do anything. Um, but while I was sitting there listening to dishwasher noises, um, I was like, okay, cool. I know I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to ice when I get home or I'm going to do some compression wrapping. Um, are you familiar with the voodoo floss bands? I have two of them. Okay. I am 100% obsessed with them even more so now Mm -hmm. because, um, 
I did that Sunday night like four or five times. And then I was like, okay, cool. This like right away, every time I wrapped with, you know, that high tension, high compression mm-hmm. for like two minutes and I couldn't even put weight on it, but I just like moved my foot or, you know, even wiggled my toes a little bit. That felt better. And then yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Let's try ice did not feel better because ice, as you know, like it makes things cold and stiff mm-hmm. and that stiffness is what was making most of the pain. So then I was like, okay, cool. Let's not do any more icing. So now what we're like 36 hours out, I iced that one time, but mostly I've just been doing that compression wrapping and I'm completely weight bearing, still walking, um, no limp. I'm not going to go out on a run anytime soon, but like it feels so much better than had I rested, iced, and elevated and just sat on my butt. Mm -hmm. So like even that and like that knowledge, most people don't know. Something hurts and so they just stop doing it. They stop doing other things and that's like my frustrating thing. Well, yeah, because like, well, because if you say, if you Google, like if you hurt your ankle, like ankle sprain and then the first thing that comes up is, you know, rice and you're like, okay, let me do rice. Well, and even the, I can't remember his name, and I know Kelly Starrett talks about this all the time, the person, the guy who coined the term rice, even he has come out and publicly said, actually, we shouldn't really be icing because research doesn't even show like how deeply it's penetrating the tissue, if it's even actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. And especially like in my case for an you know early onset injury, inflammation isn't bad no. because what it's doing is bringing you know, all of the cells that are going to help clean up any injury they're going to help bring the healing stuff like it's not bad but it all that compression of the swelling is what makes it so you know hard to move and so painful yeah so you know understanding swelling more um is better but i know without a doubt had i gone to urgent care that night um which right like Immediately after it happened, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to, like, have to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. That's why I had to put my dishwasher noises on to get calm. Um, I would have been put in a boot and on crutches. Like, I just know it. I, that's yeah. Because that's also, like, unfortunately, for most musculoskeletal injuries. Now, had I broken a bone, a thousand percent, go to the doctor, get a cast, like, that is where you should be. Yes. But most of the time... It is a muscular issue. It is a soft tissue issue. And like most doctors just don't know what to do. They give you a bandage. You know? Right. Or they put you in a boot and they say, don't move it. And so you don't move it for, um, you know, 10 days. You're in this boot. Hey, guess what? It turns to concrete, you know? And your whole ankle just freezes up. And then you're out of the boot. And sure, it doesn't hurt anymore, but now you can't move. Mm-hmm. And everything else above the chain, you know, your knee and your hip and your low back and your neck and your shoulders, they're all paying the price because your foot doesn't move anymore. Yeah. It's... I sprained, I was going to say, I sprained my ankle in college too. It was not this ankle. It was the other one. Um, and I did go because I didn't know what I know now and I didn't have the tools that I have now. Um, and I went to urgent care and they put me in a boot. And I remember the guy looking at the x-ray and he's like, so you say it hurts, but nothing's broken. And I was like, yes, and? <laughs> he's like, but nothing's broken. I was like, I hear you, but that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. But that was like the limit of his scope of understanding of how soft tissue stuff works, you know? Yeah. That's, that story's insane. Like, that. I mean, that's what, unfortunately, that's what the healthcare system is right now is, Let's yeah. find some way to put a Band-Aid on this and then get you out the door, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it goes that way, I think, for all things. Like even, um, you know, I think of my parents, they were both on statins and, um, you know, for high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And that's a Band-Aid. Oh, your cholesterol is high? Okay, we'll take this pill. Even though the research doesn't show a direct correlation between high cholesterol and heart attacks, what they found is that people who have heart attacks oftentimes have cholesterol, but it doesn't go both ways, you know? And there's side effects to that. My mom was having like awful, awful, awful muscle cramps and pain. Um, My dad, this is one thing they definitely don't talk about, his memory was just like shot. It was really crazy. Like you'd be having a conversation with him and he wouldn't remember what you had said like five minutes before. And and so what they did is they changed their diet. But that's not the easy fix. That's not the quick fix. Mm-hmm. Um, they both got off of statins. And hey, guess what? All of those issues went away. Yeah. That, they don't teach you that. <laughs> no, and they don't. And it's it's just insane that, that that's where everything is going now is some kind of Band-Aid or some kind of quick fix to get you out mm-hmm. the door, which I'm not anti-healthcare, but like I just, I've just seen it. Um, I've just seen like the decline of healthcare and how before it used to be top notch and now it's like like it's quantity versus quality like it's hurry up and get you out yeah well and you know they're not making any money either like whenever you get the uh the explanation of benefits i'm like you charged how much and you got paid twenty dollars like it's wild but i think there's like back to you know our our point too about like simplification like do the simple things there um you know even when i used to go to the dermatologist because like my skin was breaking out all the time it wasn't until i did two rounds of accutane which is um you know a prescription medicine that's supposed to quote unquote cure acne Mm -hmm. um but is so potent that while you're taking it your healing process slows down so like i had a bone bruise it took like four months to heal which Mm -hmm. isn't supposed to be you can't like every single pill has a stamp of like an alien baby because it will just absolutely totally distort fetuses like it's awful 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 and i still had acne and had somebody told me that just to not eat bread like literally willie it's that simple for me and my body Mm -hmm. um I could have saved so much time and just like chapped (laughs) lips, you know, it like the things are simple, like sleep more, move more, eat real food, like drink more water. It can be that simple. And I just the more people, you know, like the work you're doing and, of you know, other people of just putting it out there like it can be simple. And here's how you do it. And I just trust and know that like there are people out there who are seeking that like return, I almost want to say like return to nature, which sounds so cliche, but like that's what it is, you know? Yeah. So let's let's get back to some of your content. So like you, like I said, a, a lot of your content I found on YouTube when I was first starting out. Uh, and I know you have a blog as well. When did you start those two or did you start one before the other? Ooh, I think I started my blog. My mom loves telling this story. Um, <laughs> We were like having dinner. I was living at home. It was after college. And I had just finished yoga training. And we did like, you know, a four-hour session on business and marketing. And my yoga teacher trainer was like, oh, you know, having a website is really good so people can find you. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to start a blog. And by the time my parents woke up the next morning, I had already started my blog. Oh, wow. Which I think was like back in 2012, I think. Um, and I built it on Weebly. 
that was fun. Uh, <laughs> so I just started writing and I think I wrote like three articles a day cause I had nothing but time. Um, and I started my YouTube channel pretty shortly after that. I think my first video is also from 2012. Uh, and I remember recording it and then I sat on it and I didn't do anything with it for like two weeks. Cause it was really scary to put it out, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, once I posted that then it just, I'm a, totally a schedule person. If I say I'm going to do something, I commit to it and then I do it. And so I posted videos pretty much every week for a really long time. I remember that. And just amassed a library. Mm -hmm. Oops, sorry. Right. I told you I dropped my crystal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did videos every week. I blog now. I'm down to once a week. But really my focus has been writing um, my newsletter that I send out to my email list because yeah. it feels a little bit more – you know, when someone's in your inbox, it's more personal and it's more intimate. And, um, and it's more yours, I, too. Totally, totally. Well, and that's the other thing, too. You know, for any um, business owners, Facebook is great. Instagram is great. You know, social media is fantastic. But at any time, they could decide that you can't play in their sandbox. Exactly. Um, and kick you off. Or they can go down, which has happened multiple times. You know, Instagram was down over uh, and Facebook over 4th of July. And which people was freaked out. <laughs> I know. I was actually with um, my uh, brother's girlfriend who works at Facebook, and I was like, "Tell me what's going wrong. Is it even real if I can't post it to my Instagram story?" <laughs> She's just laughing at me. <laughs> but yeah, having a newsletter is important because that's or an email list, like that's yours. That's yours and yours alone. Um, and I just, I really, as far as content goes, I didn't know this when I started my blog. I just, I love writing. In. Yeah. I have way too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> so being able to like write it and, uh, you know, dictate it and talk about it uh, has been really, really, really f a fun thing for me to do on a regular basis. But it's interesting, though, because you, you know, you said you started the blog first, first and then you did the YouTube and then you started a podcast. So where, mm -hmm. where did the podcast come in with all of that? Because I know you said you like writing more, but why did you end up doing the Body Nerd Show? Ooh, the Body Nerd show, it was kind of almost like a a whisper, you know? Like mm -hmm. there's like this little part of you is like, oh, man, that would be really cool. And I saw a bunch of my business friends who had podcast having, you know, awesome opportunities to talk to people and also being able to just connect mm -hmm. with people on a deeper level. And um, I know like I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts and she was saying, look, I know that you think we're best friends because you listen to me all the time. And that's totally fine, even though I have no idea who you are. And I was just like, yeah, that's so true, because podcasting, you know, you listen while you're getting ready in the morning, while you're on a walk, like while you're in the car. It just happens so much more often, you mm -hmm. know. So I um, finally pulled the trigger. I wrote it down. I committed to it. And then I told the world. And that's kind of how that happened. And I also, from the show I had previously behind the podium, um, I had learned, you know, I had done the test run. So I kind of knew like what I wanted and what I didn't want. So yeah. it felt less like the unknown. Um, sometimes, you know, part of my questioner nature uh, is that if I don't know every single element, it feels scary, oh, <laughs> which is like, yeah, you know, perfectionism, no big deal. Um, so I kind of, I knew what to expect. And even with that, it's not anything that I expected. Uh, but what I love most about podcasting now is that the show notes are just, they just need to be clear enough for me, you yeah. know? And so I don't even spell things right on them. They don't make sense. And then I'm still able to produce this, you know, audio file 
that can be put out into the world. So now it's almost, it's easier and it's not easier, I would say. But uh, one thing I have started doing is I record my newsletters. I use an app called Otter, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, and so I just voice record newsletters and, you know, like thoughts and ideas and like the story I want to tell. Um, and then I get them transcribed and then I just edit those. Yeah. So write verbal communication for me, as you can tell, as I've been talking so much, um, is a, a real easy, you know, format. And so using that to the best advantage that I can and like really maximizing that, um, has been really helpful. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit, a little bit more about you. So what is your morning routine? Like I ask this question to everybody, so don't feel (laughs) singled out. (laughs) I don't feel oh, I love talking about my morning routine because it's something that I really like in the last probably year and a half been really, really working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started with a gratitude journal that my friend gave me for my birthday yeah. last year. And um, so every morning I would write down five things I'm grateful for and what I was looking forward to most that day. And then every night I would write down, you know, what happened that day that was really awesome and things I wanted to remember. And so that kind of became the cornerstone for my morning routine. Mm-hmm. Now, and I, this is what I did this morning. I wake up um, usually about 7 a.m. every single day. It's really kind of boring. There's no weekends. <laughs> you know, I still get up at 7 a.m. Um, I make myself a cup of Earl Grey tea. Um, when I'm feeling really uh, wild, I'll make morning breakfast, like English breakfast, that's what it's called, which is less flavorful, so not always. <laughs> uh, but it's always black tea yeah. with a scoop of collagen powder and a splash of nut pods. Like, I kid you not, every single morning. Um, and then I read either scripture or fiction or business books. Um, I do a minimum of like 10 minutes mm-hmm. of just something that I'm interested in. And the biggest thing I would say about reading, just for anyone who's listening, um, because when we're growing up and when you're in school, you know, you're forced to read a lot of books that you might not want. But as an adult, if you start a book and you don't like it, you can put it down. That's true. Because I have <laughs> I put know. many books down that started out real strong and they just kind of whimpered out in the middle. And I was like, no, I'm not going to finish this. Yeah. And I always felt so bad about that. I would like force myself through a bad book. No. And then I just realized, oh, no, I don't have to do that. I could stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'll do definitely reading, um, sometimes journaling. I've kind of fallen off the wagon with my gratitude journaling. So I think I'm going to bring that back, but I'll do like free form journaling some days, um, or just like noting things. I just read today about writing thank you notes to people like mm-hmm. in your journal. I thought was a really cool idea. Um, and then it's get ready for the day. Um, walk my dog. So I'm outside. That's another thing too. Getting outside in the morning sun is so good to let your body know like what day it is mm-hmm. and that daylight is here and helps you to sleep better at night. Um, and then depending on if I'm hungry or not, it's either a full breakfast or a smoothie and then I get to work. So I work from home, which is really cool, which means I'm wearing no shoes and yoga pants right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much every morning I'm at my computer by about 10 Um, some mornings, usually about twice a week, there is a workout that I'll do either at the gym or in my garage. Um, but even the days that I go to the gym, I still have my cup of tea and get some reading in. Um, cause that just, it sets the tone, which is so important, you know? No, definitely. Um, 
you know, going back to the gratitude teacher and I started doing that. Um, I was doing, I wasn't posting on Instagram before, but I, then I started doing it because I, I saw Amelia Boone do it uh, on her Instagram and I started doing it in a journal and then I just started doing it on my stories. So, you know, people would see oh, cool. it. Uh, so I would post 10 things that was great before that, for that day or for the previous day. And I would just post it and it's there for 24 hours. And then I highlight it and put it in a, in a highlight reel. So, um, I, I just like doing that because a lot of people have messaged me and said, I really appreciate you doing this because now I'm going to start doing it because now I want to see what I'm grateful for. Cause I don't always see what I'm grateful for every day. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, that's also one of the reasons why I love journaling too is to be able to look back and especially if you write down um, things that happened that day that you like. So doing like yeah. an evening journal because to flip back and see like, oh yeah, I forgot that, you know, we did that road trip and, you know, saw that funny llama or like, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes you forget about the fun things that happen. Yeah. And so be, having something tangible to be able to flip back and look at um, is really helpful. I will say the one thing I don't do and is explicitly not a part of my morning routine is get on my cell phone. Um, only because I get sucked into the Instagram black hole. Has that ever happened to you where oh, you're like on yeah. stories for like an hour and you don't know what happened? <laughs> yeah. I try not to, I 90% of the time I'm pretty good about not doing it, but then there's that 10% that I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little, like it'll be five minutes. I'm like, all right, I'm getting sucked down into it do something else yeah it's they set it up for us to be addicted to it a hundred percent so right. it's not our fault it's just it's hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you want to know what everybody's doing and you're like okay i've watched that person's story i've watched okay this is too much let me get off of it mm-hmm. so. yeah and it auto like it just moves right into the next one into the next one into the next mm-hmm. one into the next one it's so dangerous. So yeah, I even like, I don't unplug my phone until I have like fed the dog. That's yeah. usually the way it goes. Unless oh, I, that we have smart watches. So if a text comes through and it's very important, <laughs> then I'm like, oh, I see it. It's here on my wrist. And then I have to go and check it. But yeah, it just, that to me is like my biggest time suck of wasted pointless time for the most part because I think there's also different ways you can use social media you know if you're going in and you're intentional with your time that's one thing but for me in the morning on stories it's a waste of time there's nothing intentional about it I just want to see you know what people's dogs are up to and stuff like that (laughs) well I'm pretty good about it like I said I I put my gratitude thing up there and then I'm usually off like after that, so mm-hmm. like I, I'm pretty good about it now. But before, I used to be on it like a lot in the morning. Like even before I've like fully woken up, I'm like already looking. I'm like, okay, this is too much. That's why I, I took the social media break because I, I needed a break from checking mm-hmm. my phone at every second, free second that I had. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it that way. It's just like you know, I've done breaks from sugar, and you have to do it for you know so many days for your brain to like chemically get unaddicted to mm-hmm. the thing. Social media is the same way. Oh, yeah. So since we're talking about social media, uh, I know at one point you were doing your smoothie recipes um, <laughs> on Instagram. And, and, and I, I told you we we're going to start talking about food and cooking and stuff like that. So yes. <laughs> what what is it that you like to uh, cook the most? Like, Is there something like a particular dish that you like to cook the most? Or Ooh. is there a particular cuisine that you like to eat the most? You know, we, my husband and I do, um, sun basket, which is one of those meal kit delivery services. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it's different every week, which is nice because I don't have to think about it. I don't have to do the grocery shopping. Um, but I do kind of miss like – and every once in a while I'll be like, I want to cook something and be creative with it. But I'd say my most favorite meal um, – and I would say there's another podcast, side note, that you should also listen to called um, Your Last Meal. Mm-hmm. And so my last meal would include um, steak seared in a cast iron with like really good steak seasoning so it's like super flavorful Mm -hmm. it has that nice crust on it um and then potatoes roasted in the oven tossed also tons of seasoning onions and garlic lots of salt i love salt (laughs) um that would be the most delicious meal and then of course for dessert um probably some frozen custard you have frozen custard where you are right not particularly where i'm at right now but Mm -hmm. i think in like houston i think there is several so I was just in St. Louis this past weekend. I have family in Missouri, which is where I discovered my love of frozen custard. Um, for those of you who haven't had it, it's like ice cream, but more rich mm-hmm. and the consistency of kind of like gelato. So it's like gelato meat soft serve. Um, that would definitely be a pre or post steak potato dinner. Um, probably the only from there's this place called Shakes in Joplin, Missouri. Or shakies, I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it's vanilla custard with caramel sauce and chocolate, and then like candied pecans or pecans, depending on who you ask. It's so good. So yeah, that would be <laughs> what I like to cook. <laughs> I cook a lot of meat. I love I love protein of yeah. all forms. Speaking of St. Louis, let's talk about that. How was that trip? It was super hot, (laughs) Uh, but I got to try gooey butter cake, which is delicious. Like I also really love baking. Um, And I would say even at home, like if I have a weekend to myself and I'm just feeling like I need a little recharge, I'll bake something and then share it, make other people eat it. Um, (laughs) Like brownies, I love brownies. I make a chocolate cake that like my family is obsessed with. I don't understand why they like it so much, but I have to make it for every birthday. Um, I'm like making pies. I do have a recipe for a chocolate silk pie that I will make from, I think my next birthday, I'm going to make it for myself because it's that good. But yeah, so St. Louis, we had gooey butter cake, which is, have you ever had butter cake? Yes. Okay. I didn't know what that was until (laughs) I was putting things to eat in St. Louis. And we went to Park Avenue Coffee. Yeah. And I got a regular, like original flavor. Um, And we also did a cookies and cream and they were so good. (laughs) So we had that and we went to Ted Drew's, which is also frozen custard. Although Ted Drew's, while I know it's like super famous because it's on Route 66, Shakes in uh, or Shakey's in Joplin is way better. And um, what else did we eat? Oh, I had some really good barbecue. Oh, yeah. It was... um, these chicken wings like dry seasoned Mm -hmm. and so they were like crispy and like so flavorful and then they had brussels sprouts with um i think it was like pork belly and the funny thing is the like i guess pit master i'm not sure what its official title is was standing there because the restaurant had only been open for two weeks but they had already won a bunch of awards and this like was their first open restaurant yeah uh and so i was like what should i get tell me what's good here and he's like oh well we kind of put brussels sprouts on the map and i was like "Mm." I'm from California. Brussels sprouts are everywhere. What do you mean? Uh, but apparently for the barbecue world, like Brussels sprouts are new. And they were so good. I'm sure they were fried. They were crispy and delicious and so savory. <laughs> and there was pork belly in there. 
Um, what? Oh, biscuits. So many biscuits. And also I had a vegan gravy, surprisingly, in oh. St. Louis. That was really good. It was like a mushroom gravy. <sighs> I want more biscuits. We don't have them <laughs> like that out here. I really like biscuits and gravy are like, hmm, so good. <laughs> you need to go further south then for some biscuits and gravy. I know. I went, um, I also have family in Mississippi and we went to this place. I don't even, I think it might've been, is it Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi? If and it, it's called. Yeah, it might be Jackson. Cause I'm from Memphis originally. Okay. Mary Lou's biscuit barn. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? Yes. Oh my gosh. It was so good. <laughs> I remember that place. That was really good. And even as you're eating, you're like, mm, I can just feel it coating my insides and I feel warm <laughs> and creepy on the inside. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was super good. But yeah, no biscuits and gravy, mm, so darn good. You're in the wrong state. <laughs> I know, I know, right? I know. That's why, I like, whenever I get to travel and you know go see my family, I'm always like biscuits and gravy. Let me get some frozen custard. But it's also good that we don't have it here because then I'd be eating it all the time and it wouldn't be as delicious. Mm-hmm. I like it that it's like you know it's kind of forbidden and only once in a while. <laughs> so, are you more sweet or savory? Oh my gosh, sweet. Talk, okay, I was going to say, because you've, you've talked about a lot of sweet stuff, but you still, you've talked a lot about savory stuff too. Yeah, no, I like food, period. But um, yes, sugar is my drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down. So my last question for you is, do you have any future goals that you want to put out within the next year or so? Ooh, the next year. You know, even just you asking that, all of a sudden my hands got all sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, You're going to have to write this on your on your to-do list. I know. I have my goals list right here. I could just pull it out. I'd say a big goal um, for me is to become really like on a personal and also kind of business level, but like financially literate. Mm-hmm. And by that, um, I just read a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich that like literally every human should read because even though I grew up in a house where, you know, my mom worked in the financial industry and she's very good with money. I never felt like I got that practical kind of skill. They don't teach and you that though. No, they don't teach you like how to write a check or balance a checkbook no. and like not even budgets. Like, cause for me budget, it's just like, ugh, I didn't <laughs> like it. And that it's, and also money stories, right? How many stories do we have about money? Like for 30 years, I told myself I was bad with numbers and bad with money. And so my finances reflected that, you know? And so even, like I told you, I have to write stuff down for it to happen. Literally today, wrote in my planner every day, spend 20 minutes looking at my money, whether that's looking at bank accounts or just like, you know, categorizing transactions for my business. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, if you've ever heard what you focus on grows. And so for me, overcoming the story that I'm bad with money, um, or that you also even have to work hard for your money, mm-hmm. like for the next year, like that is definitely something I'm actively working on, um, rewriting, we'll yeah. say, but read that book. Like I'm reading, I finished it and I went right back to the beginning and I started again. Um, and I'll say one of the lessons, like I've already paid for the book. There's scripts in there. Um, chapter one is about credit cards and credit card debt. And one of the scripts is like how to call your credit card company and ask for a lower percentage rate. And I did it. And I don't know if it worked yet. Cause they said, Oh, you know, we'll send you a letter in the mail, but even just to like have that as like mm-hmm. an option, you know, what a novel idea that like you can ask. And a lot of people don't know. No. 
I didn't know. <laughs> even and even though like to my parents' credit, like they always said that and they've always, you know, would support me in that. But like sometimes you have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. You know? So I would say being coming financially literate um, over the next year. And then for a fun goal, um, my husband and I really want to go to London. And I think I'm going to add to this goal. So we're going to put it out there. I want to go to London in the next year. And I want to fly business class. And um, I don't want to have to put it on a credit card, you know, like borrow the money to make it happen. Yeah. So that would be, you can tell what I've been focusing on (laughs) the last couple of weeks. Um, but that's for sure a goal. And then of course to, you know, welcome more people into my membership and just help more people and spread the word that like, like we're talking about, like it doesn't have to be hard Mm -hmm. and you already know more than enough to take care of yourself and keep yourself happy and healthy and pain-free right now. Yeah, that's true. So if somebody wants to contact you, how can they get in contact with you? The best way would probably be social media. Um, Instagram, I love, although I won't be on it in the morning. Uh, <laughs> my handle is Hala for Mala. So that's H-O-L-L-A-F-O-R-M-A-L-A. Um, and then come listen to the Body Nerd Show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk more about swelling mm-hmm. and that ankle injury this week. Um, and we talk about sleep and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and then my website is AE Wellness, like my name, alexandraelliswellness.com. And there's a bunch of stuff over there. So you could dive deep into the rabbit hole of my body nerd, nerdy sphere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on and spending an hour with me just talking about um, just what you're doing and, and we're talking about randomness like, like we always do through DMs. So I appreciate yeah. it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. And this was really super fun. And now I want custard. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Alex again for coming on and just sharing her tips and tricks and just her overall life story about how she got into the, the, the game of movement. So uh, I really appreciate what she teaches. Uh, Like I said, I found her through YouTube um, she's still doing a lot of that good stuff through Instagram and her YouTube channel still like she has all that stuff. Um, she's also a, like a coach now. So she's doing a lot of personal training one-on-one on, with people uh, about movement. So I really hope that if you have an issue with movement or you just want to learn uh, about movement itself and how to move a little bit better every day, uh, definitely go check her out. If you want to contact her, you can find her on Instagram at Hollafamala, H-O-L-L-A. F-O-R-M-A-L-A. She does a lot of stuff there. She has a lot of tips and tricks about movement um, and just like things like sleep and and stuff like that. So if you enjoy that stuff or you just want to know more about that stuff, definitely check her out. If you want to contact me, you can contact me on Instagram. I'm at Willie Gillis. If you have any questions, comments, and concerns, you can email me at whatiloveforpodcast at gmail.com. And that's going to be it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will see you next week.